Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, the Old Testament, the book of Ruth. Uh, The book of Ruth is where we're going to be. We're going to be in Ruth chapter 3 this morning. And uh, this series that we've been on, it's coming to an end. Uh, Next Sunday, we will be in Ruth chapter 4, and we'll bring this this love story of God uh, to an end as far as the Scriptures. Uh, I want to tell you, the title of this series is Sovereign God. What that means is that means God can do what He wants, when He wants, where He wants, how He wants, with whomever He wants. God is God. I am not, and neither are you. God is God. And God is writing an incredible love story. He's already written an incredible love story um, on these pages we call the Bible. But do you know what Jesus says in the Gospel of John? Jesus said, my father is always at his work. In other words, he never stops working. Jesus said, I too am always working. Which means God is still writing an incredible love story. He's still writing an incredible love story, and it's a love story that includes you and me. Whether you turn to God and receive his grace and his love and mercy or not, God's still writing a love story to you for you, about you. We just get to see it unfold in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We get to see it unfold in the story of Ruth. Now this passage that we're on, if I had a choice, I guess a personal kind of a, a choice in the flesh, I would, I would like a much smaller crowd. Because where we are today is in a very provocative place. Like if Hollywood made a movie about Ruth chapter 3, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, it'd be rated R. Okay? And if someone were reading this story and they weren't God's child, they would be very uh, confused. So, so this is an incredible love story, and God's got a purpose in it. And I thank God that I've got the whole Bible in front of me. <laughs> I thank God that I already know This story. Because here's the truth. Without the Spirit of God and without context, I could very much misunderstand and misinterpret this passage of Scripture. So let me tell you what we already know. Uh, Naomi uh, found herself in Moab. And she found herself in Moab because Elimelech said, There's a famine in the land, and I think there's food over here, and I got to take care of you, my wife, and my sons. And so we're going to leave Judah, which was the place of God, right, because of this famine, and we're going to go over here to Moab. Now, remember in the Bible already in Deuteronomy, you know what God told his children? Hey, don't go to Moab. It's a a place of idolatry. They worship false gods. It's a pagan place. Uh, You don't want to be there. Don't go there. He even said, hey, uh, daddies, don't take your sons there to marry, right, To, to get married, to find a wife. And so Elimelech, who was, uh, uh, he was God's child, he thought, oh, I can handle this. I'll handle this. Nowhere do we see that he prayed. Even though he was a child of God, he didn't pray. He said, I'll take matters into my own hands. And so he went to this place called Moab, and in Moab, Elimelech died. Not only did Elimelech die, but Malon and Kilion died, their two sons, and all of a sudden, Naomi was left there by herself with two daughters-in-law. Now, one of the daughters-in-law went back to Moab, but as you know, Ruth said, wherever you go, I will go. 
and your God will be my God. Ruth, she turned with Naomi and went back to Judah. She turned from herself. She turned from her pagan gods and her sinful lifestyle and embraced the God of Israel, Almighty God. She made a proclamation of faith is what she did. And so now they find themselves back in Bethlehem, back in Judah, but they are still widows. And they are still very poor, very desperate, very needy. And so Naomi has been struggling with an identity crisis. In other words, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. She believed that the hand of God was against her. For a long time, she struggled with this. And then finally, finally what we find in Ruth chapter 2 is that she has turned to God and she sees His goodness. She sees that even though she has been through some disastrous decisions, she sees that even though she has faced some incredible difficulty and some unbelievable heartbreak, that God is still God. And He's still working. As a matter of fact, in Ruth chapter 2 verse 20, Naomi informs um, Ruth and gives us an important truth regarding God's generosity and kindness shown through a man known as Boaz. Listen to what she says. Verse 20 in chapter 2. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing. She's talking about God. He has not stopped showing his kindness to both the living and the dead. And she added... That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. I'm going to tell you, Ruth chapter 2 verse 20 sets us up for an incredible, incredible love story coming to a head. And I want to talk about that word redeemer for just a moment. We, We just sang about our redeemer, Jesus Christ. But let me tell you about that word redeemer. Redeemer in the Hebrew language is the word geel or goel. What that word means, redeemer, what it means, it means to buy back, to recover, to release from debt, or to be an avenger by blood. Throughout the Old Testament, we are reminded time and time again that the Lord is our redeemer. Listen to this, Psalm 78 verse 35, they remembered, like Naomi remembered, it says they remembered that God was their rock. That God Most High was their Redeemer. Isaiah chapter 47 verse 4 says, Our Redeemer, the Lord Almighty is His name. He is the Holy One of Israel. And so what we see in the book of Ruth is what we see throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, and that is Sovereign God is the Redeemer. Listen to me. There is no other Redeemer. There is no other Redeemer. God, sovereign God, is the Redeemer. And He came to us in the form of a man, a perfect man named Jesus. And we see that even in the book of Ruth. God is in the redeeming business. And remember, God is what? Always working. So please hear me. What God did in the Old Testament, He still was doing in the New Testament. And I'm going to tell you something, He's still doing it today. God ain't done redeeming. He's still redeeming. Matter of fact, I see some redeemed people in this place today. And I also see some people probably 
who need to get a taste of that redemption. Who need to let go of self and embrace the Redeemer. So let's look at this love story. Ruth chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 says, One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tomorrow night he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. What a mama, right? I got to get my daughter all prettied up. She said, wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Because remember, you know what Ruth's been doing, right? She's been out in the fields working, right? Working. She's been out in the fields gathering, harvesting. So she says, then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Understand, Ruth is a new believer. She is not all caught up, right, in the words of God and the laws of God and the ways of God. She, she is a believer now, but she's a new believer. But look at what it says in verse 5, and this is immediate, right? This doesn't say she went off and prayed about it, or she went off and sat down and thought about it, or she put it on the scales. No, listen to me. She, she had already made her mind up who she was, who she was, and why she was. Look at what it says in verse 5. I will do whatever you say. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Again, this is an incredible Love story. First off, we see that Naomi had a genuine concern for Ruth. Do you know that in the passage, in the story of Ruth, what we see is when the writer of Ruth talks about Ruth, he always says, daughter-in-law. But do you know how Naomi always talks to Ruth? Do you know what she says? Two words. My daughter. My daughter. So Naomi is deeply concerned. She understood the future for Ruth if she did not have a husband. We already talked about this, but in this culture, when a woman didn't have a husband or she didn't have a son to carry on the husband's name, whew, it was destitute. I, I mean, it, it was miserable living conditions. No provision. As a matter of fact, in this day and age, widows... Without sons, they usually had two means of survival. Do you know what those two means were? Slavery and prostitution. That's how they would get by. However, oh, thank God that he was always working and that he never stopped showing kindness and that Naomi recognized it. You see, Naomi knew God's laws she remembered that God, even before she was born, God had already made a way for the widows and the orphans to make it. God had already made a provision. It's what we call the, the Leverite law, in which a brother-in-law or a nearest relative would marry and care for the widow and help carry on the deceased brother's lineage. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 25. But let's remember, right? 
the writer of Ruth keeps telling us she's a Moabite woman. So not only was Ruth a widow, right? To a lot of people around her, she was a foreigner. So she had all kinds of strikes against her. Two words. But God. Amen? Huh? But God. She happened, at least that's the way the scripture says, she happened to be in a field of a man named Boaz. I'm going to tell you something right now. We say happened and go, oh, coincidence. Oh, look. I'm going to tell you something. There ain't no such word as that in the Bible. And for Christ followers reading the Bible, oh, it, it wasn't just a chance. She didn't just happen into a field. Those were divine steps. God led her to a field of a man named Boaz. And let me tell you about Boaz. Boaz walked out in that field and said, who is that? You know what his worker said? His worker said, that's the Moabite woman that came with Naomi and she's gleaning the edges of the field like the laws say to do. Do you know what Boaz said to her, his first words? He didn't say, hey, Moabite woman. He didn't say, hey, poor little widow. You know what he said to her? He said, my daughter. Woo! He looked at her the way God looks at you and the way God looks at me. With love. I don't know who I am talking to this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know how others see you and treat you. I don't even know how you see yourself or treat yourself, but I want you to know the truth. God loves you. And He passionately loves you. And He sees you the way nobody else sees you. He sees you and says, my daughter. He sees you and says, my son. Naomi cared for Ruth. She was concerned for her future. We also see Naomi's detailed plan for Ruth. Very detailed plan. Now she knew they were at the end of the harvest season. See, they've been there all through the harvest season. And she knows the harvest season is about to wind down. So do you know what she's thinking? What are we going to do after harvest? How are we going to eat? Where are we going to live? And so she knew all of that. And she knew that at the end of harvest season, that Boaz was going to be at the threshing floor that night, winnowing his harvest, which means he was separating the barley from the chaff. He would also be there to sleep. Now this is an unusual thing, but I get it. He would actually be there to sleep by his grain so that thieves wouldn't come in in the night and take some. So Naomi knew all of this. I'm going to tell you how she knew all of this because she remembered her God and she remembered his words. Huh? She was focused. So I want you to understand something. Even though she made a plan, her steps were directed by God. Even though she had a plan... Her steps were directed by God. And so, she told Ruth to go there and lie down by him and uncover his feet. 
Now, in our language, what that means is open his robe. And so she would open his robe. And this is where context is very important. Because of the context, because we already know who Boaz is, and we already know the proclamation of faith that Ruth has made, what we understand in this passage of Scripture is that this was not a sexual advance. Oh, it very well could be. But this occasion is not. What this was is that Ruth was submitting herself to Boaz. Naomi knew the significance of what she was asking, especially considering the law. But we got to remember, Ruth was a new believer. And she did not fully comprehend or understand the ways of her new family. And so maybe, just maybe, this sounded like a crazy plan. Can you imagine Ruth, ladies? Can you imagine Ruth, right? Naomi says, here's what I want you to do, all right? I want you to wait and let this man eat and drink, and then he's going to fall asleep, everybody's green. And then I want you to just go right up there next to him and lay down by him. And I want you to uncover him. Ruth is like, is there a part B? Is there a plan B? Is there another way? I mean, I'm just wondering, right? But the Bible has already made it clear that Ruth didn't do that. You want to know why? Because Ruth trusted God. And Ruth trusted God's servant, Naomi. And Ruth resolved. She said with her mouth, I will do whatever you tell me to do. So even though the plan might sound illogical to us, even though it might be a little crazy for us, God was in this. And Ruth trusted. As a matter of fact, we see Ruth's humble obedience in words, right? We see her obedience in words. She trusted God. She trusted the woman who returned to God. And she said, I will do whatever you say. In this moment, Ruth was willing to take a risk. Even with what little or nothing she had, she was willing to take a risk. In other words, she was willing to take a step without seeing the ground beneath her. Right? You ever been there? Where God says, step out. And the first thing you do is look down to make sure there's something to catch you. Ruth didn't have that. Ruth didn't have that. Ruth didn't know what was underneath her foot in the next step, but here's what she did. She believed. And because she believed, she obeyed. She humbly obeyed, and she did it with her words. See, in this moment, when Naomi was giving her the plan, all Ruth could do was respond, right? All she could do is say, right, I will do. So let's see if that talking obedience can turn into walking obedience. Because I'm going to tell you something, church. There's a big difference in saying what you're going to do and a big difference in doing what you're going to do. Because we can talk all day long. But when push comes to shove, will we walk all day long? Here we go. Ruth chapter 3 verse 7 says, When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly. Oh boy, them words is turning into action. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled a man. I bet it did. 
I, I bet it did. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Look at verse 9. Who are you, he asked. Remember, middle of the night, the grain bin. It's not like they had spotlights shining down, and he could go, Oh, Ruth, glad you're here. No, he didn't know. He said, Who are you? And listen to her response. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. I love this because I believe Boaz knows who he is, whose he is, and why he is. I believe he already knows that. As a matter of fact, he's already shown us that all the way through chapter 3. But do you see this? Ruth is reminding him too of who he is whose he is, and why he is. And look at his response in verse 10. The Lord bless you, and look at those two words, my daughter. The Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor, and now, my daughter, right, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Up to this point, right, we keep seeing that she's a Moabitess. She's from from Moab. But do you see what Boaz tells us? Boaz tells us, hey, the word's gotten out about you. People are talking about you, and you are a woman of noble character. Do you know where we find That phrase, a woman of noble character, in the Bible? It's in the Jewish book of the Bible called Psalms. And in Proverbs, as as a matter of fact, the one you probably are thinking about is Proverbs 31. Do you understand? He just used a phrase that Jews would not have used toward anybody else. No, that was a Jewish phrase. To be said to a Jewish woman. Yet look at what he says. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. And although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of your family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. Look at this. God never stops working and his goodness never stops being poured out. And when she did... He poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi, asked her, How did it go, my daughter? Pretty pretty dress? Sweet-smelling perfume? How did it go, my daughter? Naomi says, Tell me what happened! Like any mama would do. And this is so good. Then she told her, Ruth told her, 
Everything Boaz, listen to this, everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So in, in the first few verses, when Naomi makes a plan, she makes a plan and it's detailed because she's concerned for Ruth. And Ruth says, I'll do it. We see humble obedience through word. But now, right, the rubber hits the road. Huh? And we see Ruth's humble obedience in her actions. She wasn't just talking obedience. She was now living obediently. She was walking obedience. She did exactly what Naomi told her to do down to the specific detail. We, we see that, that Ruth uncovered Boaz's feet and she laid there. Now, we don't know how long she laid there, but at some point, Boaz was startled. He, he knew it was a woman. He knew a woman should not have been there. He didn't know it was Ruth until she said, I am your servant Ruth. And what she says to him, it's not just bold, it is amazing. Through both her words and her actions, do you know what Ruth was really saying to Boaz? Will you marry me? I'm just telling you, look at the scripture. Go back and look at the Hebrew language. This was a marriage proposal. Ruth was asking Boaz to be her husband. She was asking him to go above and beyond the provision and the protection in the moment. She was humbly and honorably asking him to act upon his legal responsibility as a guardian redeemer of the family. I love Dr. Tony Evans. And Dr. Tony Evans says, Boaz said to Ruth in Ruth 2.12, May you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel under whose wings... You have come for refuge. Dr. Evans says, Ruth has now challenged Boaz to become the human expression of that divine covering that Boaz prayed over her. Think about that for just a minute. Talk about not being able to see, right? That not even the end of the story, but not even being able to see the middle of the story. Boaz prayed over her and said, may the Lord cover you with his wings. In other words, may the Lord take care of you. And now she's at a spot saying, hey, I heard your prayer, and it's time to get up and act upon your prayer. Because God has made you our guardian redeemer, and I am coming to you to fulfill what you prayed. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That's pretty awesome. And, and so we see Ruth's obedience through word. We see her obedience through action. But look at this. We also see Boaz's blessing for Ruth and his honesty toward Ruth. I want to remind you of what we already know about Boaz. In Ruth chapter 2 verse 1, it tells us that Boaz was a man of standing, which means he had integrity, he had valor. In other words... He was a true man of God. He even greeted his workers by pointing them to the Lord. The first words that we hear out of Boaz's mouth, it was at his workplace and he said to his workers, the Lord be with you. 
How different would our workplaces be, bosses, if we walked in and said that to our employees? Hey, the Lord be with you today. You think that would change some, some attitudes, maybe your own, but also the attitudes of the people you work with? That's pretty incredible. We've already seen Boaz's incredible generosity and kindness to both Ruth and Naomi. While others mentioned her as the Moabite women, a woman, Boaz, said, my daughter, he already prayed this blessing over her that the Lord would protect her. And he reminded her, and he reminded us that the people now know Ruth as a woman of noble character. Mm. I'm going to tell you, the situation they are in is one that can be very misunderstood, can't it? Understand, he was in his workplace, surrounded by his people, and he knew that even his people could see what was going on in that moment and misunderstand it, mislabel it. You know what he was worried about? He was worried about the gossips. Yeah. He didn't want people going out and talking about Ruth or about him and not knowing the truth. And that's a whole other message. I'm not going to chase that rabbit. I'm going to leave it alone. But we need to be careful of how we look at people and look at situations and then start talking about it. We need to be real careful. Because God is always what? Working. He's always working. He's always at His work. And that's what God's doing here. See, in a situation like this, the enemy could most certainly tempt either Ruth or Boaz to sin, but God. <laughs> but God. God was working. And these two individuals were focused on God's work. So we see incredible obedience, we see incredible faith. We see incredible respect. We see incredible honesty. But we also see understanding and patience. I don't want you to miss this. Understanding and patience. Boaz was honest with Ruth because he said, Bless you, my daughter. I do want to be your husband. I do want to be your guardian redeemer. But let me tell you the truth. There is a closer relative, and by God's laws... He has the right to redeem you before me. Tell me that don't say something about Boaz, right? Tell me that don't say something about Boaz. He was ready and willing to accept her. She could have run after younger men, that's what he said, rich or poor, but she did not. He recognized the circumstances and how it could be portrayed. He said, here's what we're going to do. You're going to get up. You're going to take this barley that I give you. You're going to go back because I, don't, I want you to help your mother-in-law. I don't want you to go back empty-handed. I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to this other guardian redeemer. And if he wants to redeem you, good. What that means is it's, it's God. Blessed. But if he does not, I will do it. Mm. So Naomi, right here at the tail end of the story, says, what did he say? What happened? I'm trying to be excited like a woman. 
I probably didn't do that justice, but anyway, now she's embarrassed and I am too. But you kind of get the point, right? Can you, do you think Naomi slept? I wish we had more verses. Do you think Naomi slept that night? Was it anticipation? Was it fear? Was it doubt? I, I don't know. I do know this. She wanted to know what God was doing. She wanted to know what God was doing. So she said, what happened? And in her excitement, she could have said, oh, hurry up. Oh, oh, let's find you a better dress. Oh, don't waste another second. But what was the one word that Naomi said? Wait. I'm going to tell you, that says a lot about Naomi now, doesn't it? This is the same woman that just a few chapters ago said, don't call me Naomi, don't call me pleasant, don't call me sweet, call me Mara. Because I am bitter. Same woman. Except now, instead of being focused on the circumstances of her life, she's focused on the ones who, who is in control of the circumstances of her life. So not only does she see differently, she seeks differently. Not only does she talk differently, she moves differently. So what we see here is we see Naomi's wisdom in encouraging Ruth to wait. Wait. And don't you love this? When, when, when they started this conversation, when, when, when Naomi, when, when mom says, hey, daughter, how did it go? Did you see how Ruth responded? She could have said, oh, you should have seen it. I, I walked in there. I, I fanned my dress and spread the perfume. I got right there close and I delicately opened his robe, uncovered his feet. And oh, mama, he was scared at first. Like, I, I'm just saying, like, if this was in 2 Jeff chapter 5, that's how I would have wrote it. But I'm glad this is Ruth chapter 3 and I didn't write it. Because this is right. And this is in line with what God was doing. Do you see what she said? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it kind of the way I would say it. Here's what she said. Look what he did for me. Look what he Gave us. You see this? She didn't respond to mama about anything she did. All she could talk about was him. Boaz. He did this for me. He gave this to us. Says a lot about Ruth, doesn't it? And Naomi could have continued to push her own agenda, her own time. Right? She could have had a Burger King moment. I want it my way right away. Like, let's set the marriage up first thing. Right? It, it, she probably said, oh, it's only 9 a.m. We got time. At noon, we'll have a wedding. She, she could have done it. Right? She could have got this master plan. But no. She said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. In other words, be patient. Be patient. In other words, Ruth... God's plan is perfect, and so is His time. I know about you, I don't struggle a lot with God's plan. I mean, sometimes I do, but for the most part, I know that God's plan is good and it's right. Do you know what I struggle with? God, why am I still waiting? 
hey, hey, God, I know you said I wouldn't drown, but the water is now not just over my lips, it's right on my nostrils. Hey, God, I know you told me I wouldn't burn up, but it sure is hot in this fire. Now, you're probably saying, Brother Jeff, where'd you... You making that up? No, I'm not. Isaiah chapter 43. God says to you, you are mine. And you will walk through the waters, but you will not drown. And you will walk through the fire, but you will not be burned up. That's not my word. That's God's words. And I believe Naomi had her eyes on God and said, let's wait, my daughter. Let's be patient because God is still working and God has not stopped showing us his kindness. I'm going to tell you what this is. This is God's love story to and through Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. But this is not just a story about Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. This is God's story that transcends time and space. This is a redemption love story. A redeeming love story. See, I believe Ruth chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4 are attached to Romans chapter 5. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Don't tell me we ain't seen some perseverance in Ruth. And don't see, tell me we ain't seen some character you know, evolving in Ruth. And don't tell me we ain't seen hope. Because it's all over the book of Ruth. So don't tell me the Old Testament is old and no good and don't apply. Oh, it does. And it's attached to the New Testament because it is all the perfect Word of God. So it says this in verse 5, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And here it is, God's perfect plan. God's perfect time, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That is redeeming love. That is redeeming love that we see in Ruth. That is redeeming love we see in Romans. And that is redeeming love that is available to you and me today. Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, Paul goes on to say, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8, But God demonstrates, God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you. God loves you so much that He held nothing back. You remember what Ruth said to Naomi? Look what he did for me. Look what he gave to us. I'm here to tell you today, look what God did for you and for me. Look what God gave us. He held nothing back. He gave Jesus Christ perfect life, 
sacrificial death, glorious resurrection, so that you might be forgiven and set free, not just saved from death, but saved to life. Right now, you can go ahead and clap. That's worth clapping. Yeah. Yeah, that's worth clapping, I promise you. This ain't no funeral, okay? This ain't a funeral. Christ died for me. He died for me before I turned around. He died for me when I was sick and miserable in my sin. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who convicted me of my sin. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who led me to repent, right? To turn from my Moab and turn to my God. And I believe this, when I took that first step to God, He had already taken 100,000 steps to me. He had already started running to me because he knew. He knew that I needed him. And he knew that I was desperate, that I was destitute. And I'm going to tell you, he opened his arms up wide and he pulled me in. And this is what I heard. My son. When I didn't think of myself as a son, when people around me weren't saying to me, my son, God said it. And that settled it. God's love for us, it's poured out in the life of Jesus. And He is the Redeemer. The question is, have you embraced Jesus as your Redeemer? There's another sister in this story. Another another daughter-in-law in this story. If you'll go back to Ruth chapter 1 young lady named Obed. She said, oh, I'm going to stay with you. Oh, I'm going to go with y'all. And then at the last second, those words fell to the ground because what she did was she turned around and went back to Moab. You see, even God in His sovereignty, even God in His sovereignty can do what He wants, when He wants, where He wants, how He wants, with whomever He wants. He will never make you make you love him in return. It's called free will. He will give you the choice. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. He knocks. Does it say he kicks the door open? Nope. Does it say he puts his hand on the knob and turns it and just walks on in? Nope. It says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Which means you've got to open it up. You have to choose. So my question is, have you embraced Jesus Christ as your Redeemer? Because I'm going to tell you something. Nobody else can buy you back. Nobody else's blood can wash you white as snow. It's only Jesus. I'm praying today that you can cry out, my God, my God, how good you are to me. I am your son. I am your daughter. And you can hear God say, you are mine. Isaiah 43, verse 1.